those that are here. We want God to fill us up this morning. I believe he's done. He's, he's on his way to doing that. And so we want to thank our guests for being with us this morning. We want to thank you for your attention. Um, but I, 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 I'm mindful um, I'm mindful of my role to give you a message. I'm mindful of that. Um, whenever I prepare and study, I know that God has placed something on my heart that he wants to say, and sometimes I just have to get out of the way, Shannon. I'm mindful that I'm supposed to give you a message. Um, however, I believe God wants to give you a moment this morning. And um, I want to know who came expecting God to move in your heart. Yeah, who came expecting God to move? We're in a series called Great Expectations. Well, you know, we have a lot of expectations about our lives, but when it comes to God, that's a great expectation because God can do amazing things. And I, I believe some of us can testify that he has done amazing things in our lives. And so we're in a series called Great Expectations. Um, this is part two of that series. We're only doing two parts. This is part two. I'm glad you're here. If you're, if you're wanting to know what, what part one was like, you have to go online or the church app and get that. I'm not going to regurgitate that. But this is part two of the series called Great Expectations. Expectations are a strong belief that something will happen. A strong belief that something will happen. Does your faith church has a, have an expectation that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think? Does your faith have that? Oh, man, am I in the right church? <laughs> Lord, I need to plant another church that has faith with an expectation. Let me say that again. Does your faith has, have an expectation that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think? Yes, 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 yes. I'm speaking to the right family now. Okay, okay. If so, would you stand to your feet and do something crazy for me? Would you stand to your feet again? I know you just sat down. Stand to your feet right there and give God some praise. Would you give God some praise? If you believe God will do exceedingly, abundantly. Oh, y'all, some of y'all are clapping like y'all don't believe. Y'all are bougie. Y'all are clapping like this. Do you believe God can do great things? Amen. Amen, 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 amen. As your pastor, you may be seated. As your pastor, my faith has an expectation to it, and I hope yours do. I believe, I'm believing God to resuscitate some things, resuscitate some things. And I say resuscitate because resuscitation is when, you, when God has something to revive. So we all have some dead places. And we started this passage last week where we're talking to John chapter 11. And, and when we saw the, the, the move of, of Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha and that, and that family, and when we saw that move in their lives, we, we all have some places, some dead places that we want God to resuscitate, to revive. Amen. And so I'm believing as a pastor, I'm believing that God has some places in your family that he needs to revive. I believe God has some places in your relationships. Yeah, I'm stepping on those toes that he needs to revive. I believe that God has some places in your walk with him that he needs to revive. Because some of y'all haven't talked to him since last Sunday. Some of y'all haven't read scripture since last Sunday. And so, and so there, there may be some places in your life that are, that are a little bit dead and dormant. And I believe God needs to breathe new life in there in your walk with him, and resuscitate those places. Everybody say, fill me up. Yeah. That's our expectation this morning. Would you go with me to John chapter 11? We're going to continue where we left off last week. John chapter 11, 
verse 30. The word of God is coming from the New Living Translation, if you're wondering. Um, John chapter 11, verse 30. This is what the scripture says. John has stayed, Jesus has stayed outside the village at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 31. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary, see, see, Lazarus, let me back up. Lazarus was sick. I'm going to just catch you up a little bit. Lazarus was sick. Um, this family, this family had walked with Jesus. They had talked to with Jesus. And this, this family in Bethany, they had, they were part of Jesus's central ministry in Bethany. And so um, they, they knew Jesus. They were familiar with Jesus. So when the brother got sick, they sent for help. The sisters sent for help, right? And, and we said last week that, just to give you the cliff notes, we said last week that when, when they sent for help, for help, Jesus stayed two more days. But, it, but the text says that he loved them, but yet he stayed two more days. And so when he gets there on the scene, where we are in the, in the text today, where he, when he gets there on the scene, it's now been four days. And I'm going to tell you why four is significant. It's now been four days. And, and so Martha, when Jesus gets on the scene, Martha says, you know, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, sometimes we're, we're right there. God, if you, had, if you had helped my relationship, it wouldn't have died. God, if you had helped me on my job, I wouldn't have lost it. Have you, have you been there? God, if you, if you, so Martha was there, and we said last week she had, she had some, uh, something like a, a bipolar faith. God, if you had, but then in, this, in the next verse it says, but even now, but, but you're here now, but even now I believe that you can, you can do all things, right? And so we're back here, verse 31. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary, Mary, um, uh, Mary saw, consoling Mary, saw her leave so hastily, they assumed that she was going to Lazarus' grave, because remember he had died now. They're going to Lazarus' grave, so they followed her. Uh, um, and you might not know this, but when people died in, in a Palestinian culture, when they died, they hired mourners. If you were poor, you only had like two mourners assigned to your family. But the more money you had, the more people that came and professionally cried at your loss. And, and, and y'all may not know this. Y'all may not be wealthy like that, but y'all have some professional people in your lives that, that, that <laughs> sympathetically cry at your loss, but they don't even mean it. Anyway, that's for free. Um, and so so they, these, these people, this crowd of people, they followed her there. These professional mourners, they, they followed her to the tomb because they assumed that she was going to go and mourn her brother's death. Verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, like her sister, now Mary is saying, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mm. But I think she's thinking, but you're here now. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing, these professional wailers wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Verse 34, and we, where have you put him, Jesus asked. He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Come and see where he's at. Verse 35, this is the verse that you know. This is the prayer that you know. Jesus wept. <laughs> I'm so glad I have a high priest who can be touched by the feelings of my infirmities. I'm so glad that I have a high priest who can weep when I weep, who, who can get angry when I'm angry over, because I have a righteous anger sometimes. Uh, verse 36, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? 
But some said, because we have some of these in our, in our, in our uh, circle of influence, we have some of these. But some said, verse 37, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And I believe Mary heard that. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Verse 38, Jesus was still angry. <laughs> He's hearing all this stuff. He's hearing this doubt. Jesus was still angry, and he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Doesn't that sound familiar? Don't that sound like our Savior? So that's, that's what happened in those days. You know, they didn't, they didn't have funeral caskets and stuff like we're familiar with. They didn't get crema cremated, as it were. They, they, they honed out caves, and they had a place, a bench, where they would put the bodies, and they had shelves where they would put other things and other bodies. And they, and they had a, a rolling stone so people could be able to be rolled away. The other members of the family can be rolled, and rolled in there so they would be able to roll the stone away. This is familiar. Mm. Verse 38 again. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Mm. Lord, he has been dead four days. Everybody say four days. Four he has been dead four days. Everybody say four days. Four He's days. been dead four days. Everybody say four days. four days. The smell will be terrible. The smell will be terrible after four days. <laughs> Oh, man, this is for the parents who have toddlers. Um, Y'all know the, the blues clues? I'm going to give you a blues clue right here. In Martha's eyes, in four days, the smell would be terrible. But in Jesus' eyes, in four days, the smell would be a testimony. I said, in Martha's eyes... In four days, the smell would be terrible. But in Jesus' eyes, in four days, the smell would be a testimony. It would be no doubt, church. Family would be no doubt that when this guy walks up out of there, God must have done it. Jesus said, by this day, you will see the glory of God. And in all of our circumstances, if you don't see the glory of God, if you don't see Jesus in it, you don't see the glory of God. Oh. That's your blues clue. Verse 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see, the glory, see God's glory if you believed? He's talking to the Mary. He's talking to the Mary that protested. But in four days, by now he stinks. At some point, Martha must have gave her consent right here. She must have gave her consent for Jesus to remove the stone. Um, I wonder what, what God is waiting on you to give consent to, to remove whatever has been blocked. To remove the things that are blocking your heart from him. I wonder, I wonder who's going to give God consent to say, God, go ahead, God. You, th this is my family tomb, but you can go ahead and have access to it. God, this is my heart. And I give you access to roll the stone away. Jesus responded. I know she must have given consent because Jesus responded here in verse 41. So they rolled, the, they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here. But I said it out loud for the sake of Reignite Church this morning, 
But I said it out loud so those in Virginia Beach would know the testimony of you, Lord. But I said it out loud so families would be restored. But I said it out loud for those on my job that see me get the bad news would know that you, you can still do all things. But I said it out loud for those standing here so they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a handkerchief. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Verse 40 again. Jesus responded, you will see God's glory. If you believe, I just want to use for a text. I know this is a strange way to open, but I just want to use for a text for a subject this morning. Faith for my family. Part two. Faith for my family. Part two. Church, I believe it's important for our families to see our faith. Mm -hmm. That they should have access to what God is doing in our hearts. Um, In the fall of 2018, Los Angeles, um, Los Angeles. Chargers quarterback Philip Rivers, if you're familiar with football, sat down with Dan Patrick for an interview, which left him stunned. Yeah. When asked about his family in the interview, the quarterback mentioned that he and his wife Tiffany, hey, (laughs) he and his wife Tiffany had eight kids, six girls, and two boys. It stunned Dan Patrick. You've got eight? Patrick then asked if the quarterback was done procreating, (laughs) and he responded, heck no. My God, Patrick said, does Tiffany know this? And the quarterback responded, yes, she's all in, all in. Then he goes on to share that the foundation of their marriage was based on Jesus, and he was always outspoken about his faith. And so Rivers told them, the quarterback told them, he concluded with this, with this, in this in the interview. He said, that's why it worked to this point all these years. And he said, he said, I hope God has used me to touch even one of you with my life. Through my family. Faith for the family. When it comes to your family, Jesus' church is all in. But are you? Yeah. My faith must have an expectation to it, whether it's procreating or resuscitating. My faith must have an expectation to it. What, what do I believe God to do in my life? What do I believe God to do in my family? The thing I like about this story in John chapter 11 is, is it doesn't say that Lazarus sent help. He was the one sick, but nothing was probably wrong with his mouth. But his sisters interceded. Faith for the family. And sometimes it's going to take one of you going through something. You may, you're feeling it, too. You're, you're discouraged, too. You, you don't know what to do either. But maybe you have to stand in the gap and, and intercede on behalf of the family to get things done. Faith for the family. Jesus loved these family of, this family of three, these two sisters and this brother, two girls and a boy. He loved them, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. For those who don't know the story, Lazarus is sick and his sister sends for help and Jesus delays his coming. And last week I told you in the cliff notes, I told you that sometimes we feel like delay is denial. But the text tells us that Jesus loved his family. 
So, so maybe something else is going on. Has, has God delayed some things in your, in your life that you're still believing him for, you're still waiting on? Yeah, I, I, I have some things that I'm waiting on. And so delete, Jesus delayed his coming, and when he gets there, when he finally arrives, Lazarus is already dead. What do you do with that? Have you ever felt like God was too late? God was too late. I want you to know that um, sometimes when we're focused on trouble, we need to remember that God is focused on his timing. When you're focused on the trouble, he's focused on the timing. Um, Because God knows that he can do all things. And so in in his timing, in four days, Jesus shows up. Uh, The significance of four days, the significance of that, Pastor, what's the significance of four days? The significance of four days is um, that when people died in Palestinian culture, when people died, they put them in the grave. But unlike the Egyptians who had the method of embalming, what, what the Palestinian uh, folks would do, uh, what they would do, they would, they would take herbs and spices. They would wrap the body in linen and would put herbs and spices around the body to, to take care of the smell. They would take care of the smell. They didn't have no way of embalming. So if this guy's in there rotting for four days, we know it's going to stink, right? And so, but here's the thing you don't know. Here's the thing you don't know. Also, in Palestinian culture, they believed that when someone died, that the spirit of the person hovered around the body for three days. So, so, so maybe, maybe because Jesus delayed, I told you, he, when he delays, it's not denial. So maybe when Jesus delayed his coming for the three days that, you, that we tie our, fa- our faith to, sometimes we tie our faith to, to things outside of Christianity that we believe, like luck. Je- Jesus waited four days, so it would be undeniable that he's dead, undeniable that he raised him. Oh, my gosh. Be careful what you tie your faith to. Sometimes we tie our faith to luck. And, and, and we even sometimes tell us, we tell people as Christians, wish, wish me luck on the job. We tie our faith to everything. Even sometimes the wrong thing. And that's what they believe. Well, after three days, he, he still may come back. Uh, Jesus waited for him. Um, after four days, though, church, Mary is still crying. Mary is still crying. And Martha is protesting. And Jesus asked the family a critical question. A question I want to ask you. The question that's going to be on the floor this morning. Jesus asked Mary, where have you laid them? Where have you laid them, Steve? Where have you laid them? In, in, in other words, where's the problem, Jay? Jackie, Jackie where, where's, where's the problem? Where's the problem? Yeah. Martha said, well, Lord, by now, it stinks. It stinks. And I wonder, have you ever felt this way? By now, it stinks. By now, it's too late for you to fix it. Maria, it's, it's, it's too late. <laughs> by now, it stinks. Have you ever had something that, that was so bad that you didn't even want to reveal it? 
You know, that's, that's the problem we face in, in, in North America. That's what the problem we face commonly. When, when it comes to even to, to facing God, we don't want to reveal, we don't want to even reveal the things that stink in our lives. We have a hard time revealing the stinky things. But yet we want the fix. I think sometimes we have bought bipolar Christianity. God, I'm believing you, but I don't want to reveal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I know it's not natural for us to open up our lives to Jesus and to others. But when God is asking a question, he's expecting us to reveal. Uh, We have a God that wants to commune with us. He wants to communicate with us. And the interesting thing to me is Jesus could have fixed the problem. He could have spoke from a distance. We, we, we found out last week he was only like two miles away, a day's journey, and yet he waited. He could have spoken and, and, and raised Lazarus, fixed Lazarus' situation. He could have got there and right off the bat fixed it, but he's, he's waiting outside the city because they wanted to kill him from when he was there last time, revealing he was the son of God. He's outside the city, and they're, they're Martha and, and, and them are running to him. So he's like, of course, well, show me where you laid him. Lord, he stinks. Right, right now, my, my family, I, I've been faithful to you, God. I've been faithful. I've, been, I've dressed up, put on, put on my Sunday best, but yeah, I got a stinky situation at home. Show me where it is. Show me where it is. Yeah, that's what's going on in the text. And then Jesus commands them, remove the stone. Marsha, we need to reveal it. We need to reveal it. talking about necessarily what you got going on. I'm talking about what you got going on in your family for your family. Do you you believe that when you leave here this Sunday that by Thursday God will change the situation? Do you have that kind of faith, church? Well, then you're going to have to reveal it today. You're going to have to share with him today. God, this is what I'm facing, and this is where it's at. I need you to help me. We serve a God, church, who can remove. There's only three things I want to tell you this morning. We serve a God that can remove, revive, and release. Everybody say remove. Everybody say revive. Say release. Yes. God can remove any barrier. He can revive anybody. And he can release whatever's been bound, whatever's been in any given family you'll have one or three of these things needed today I said you'll have one or all three of these things needed today you're going to need God to remove some things you may need God to revive some things or you may need God to release some things someone accurately said my family is my strength and my weakness (laughs) oh Four days. Four days. Four days seem like a long time, church. Yeah. It seems like a long time when you're waiting on a dead situation. A stinky situation, baby. (laughs) But if God could do it by Thursday, 
if I knew it was coming. If I knew it was coming. If I didn't tie my faith to luck, and if I didn't tie my faith to my, my uh, accomplishments, and if I didn't tie my faith to, to my pedigree and my education, if I didn't tie my faith to anything but Jesus, I believe in four days, I believe by Thursday, he could change it. stone himself but this is the thing you have to understand when it comes to removal he asked them to do it why did he ask them pastor because sometimes a blessing seems like too much work on our part but God wants your participation in the process I wish I was out there listening to preaching preach preach it pastor sometimes Christ wants our cooperation he wants our cooperation in it. so he said remove, remove the stone Donna remove the stone Rose remove the stone George remove it and so the, the mourners and the family get together and they start rolling the stone away and Jesus knows what he's going to do next he's about to revive everybody say revive so we, we said he, we know he can remove, then he's going to revive. The text reminds us that if we believe God that, the, that for what's to come, that Jesus reminds Mary of the promise that today you're going to see the glory of God. If you believe today you're going to see the glory of God. So, so Martha, he tells Martha, remember the promise in verse 40. Remember the promise. You're going to see God's glory if you only believe. So let me remind you that God's Bible the word of God is full, it's filled, it's replete, it's filled with promises of God. It's filled with promises of God. It's a book of order to cover our disorder. Oh man, sometimes I like the little words I write down. It's a book of order to cover our disorder. Let me remind you of some of God's promises. Um, Jesus reminded Mary, you're going to see if you believe. Reignite family, we need to be reminded that he will supply all grace is sufficient for you. Did you know that? That's the promise. His grace is sufficient. Did you know also that he'll never leave you nor forsake you? That's the promise of God. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Let me give you a couple more. Um, did you know that if, if, you, if you're weary and you come to him, he'll give you rest? <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that every victory is ours through Christ Jesus. Did you know that? That's the promise of God. That's the promise of God. Pastor, where do I find these promises? The power is in your pocket. If you, if you just Google them and then go to the book, you can find the promises yourself. Oh, my gosh. The promises of God. 
And sometimes you have to remind yourself, Tiff told me, you reminded me yesterday when you were sharing the women's conference that you, that you went to, that sometimes you have to remember that you need to have a, a relationship that you cultivate with God yourself. So when, you're, when the time of need comes, when the time that you're feeling the dead situation, when you need to remove some things from your life, that you already have a reservoir of faith built up. So you don't fall and you don't falter because you've already been prepared to be reminded of the word. The word will rise back up in you. It's too late. It's too late to chew on it and look through those emergency numbers in the back of the concordance of your Bible. And what, what, what do I need to, to, to help with this? It's too late. Not, not too many people make it. Not too many people recover when they don't have a reservoir of faith. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a reservoir because they had a relationship with Jesus before he got sick, before he died. That's for free. That's for free. That's for free. Before Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, he asked, Mary, he asked Martha to believe in ultimate faith. Before he called her out of the grave, he asked her to believe with ultimate faith. He said, if you want to make progress, you have to believe in the process. If you want to make progress, you have to believe in the progress and in the, in the process. Say release. We know he can remove. We know he can re remove. We know he can revive. And he also can release. We should pray publicly and we should pray privately. What we see today is Jesus praying publicly, not privately. See, our private prayers are to build up your faith. Your public prayers are to release your faith to others. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So Jesus performs a public prayer to teach those who are present. Remember the, the professional whalers? To, to, to teach those who are present and to build up momentum when he gets, he gets ready to go to Jerusalem in the next chapter, in John chapter 12. He's gonna go to the cross and, it, and, and, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be um, um, the, the moment where he's gonna reveal himself to the world when he, when he rides in on a donkey and everybody's gonna sit there with the, with the palm branches and it's gonna be Palm Sunday in chapter 12. And, and so it said the next day many people came. So Jesus is building up momentum. He's, he's about to reveal the glory of God. He's building the momentum. And so he's, he's looking at all those who are present. And he gives a public prayer to give a teachable moment. Oh, man. Oh, man. Y'all know what a teachable moment is? I do those all the time. I'll, I'll take a knee with my daughter in a, in a situation, and I'll, I'll apologize in a teachable moment because I want her to know, my 11-year-old, my I want her to know that when you grow up later on and you get a man in your life, if he can't, if he can't apologize and say he's sorry like your daddy did it, then that's the wrong kind of guy. I use teachable moments. I use teachable moments at home. Jesus gives a, a teachable moment with a public prayer. He, he says, uh, well, hold up, let me back up. A teachable moment is an, an, an on-the-spot demonstration of something. It's an on-the-spot demonstration of something. If you need faith for your family, we have to pray like Jesus. And as, so as we get ready to get out of here, I know it's going to be uncomfortable for some, but we're a church that I'm asking you to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So as we get ready to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand with me before we go. And I'm going to ask you to exercise some faith right now. Y'all ready to be uncomfortable? Jesus showed us a teachable moment. It'd be a shame 
that it'd be malpractice for me not to look at this teachable moment and for us not to practice it, right? I'm not about ministry malpractice. So would you take a hand of somebody next to you? You may even have to stretch across the aisle, but somebody get a hand. Get a hand. If you're on the aisle by yourself, bring your hips up and get a hand. Get a hand. Get a hand. Everybody need to have a hand. Everybody need to have a hand, right? Jesus gave us a public demonstration through prayer. And I believe we need to practice this as a, as a family. <clears throat> we need to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We need to pray to the Father. We see this in verse 41 and 42. We need to pray to God the Father. That's what Jesus did. He prayed to God the Father. We're, we're praying right now. You're praying, I'm talking. We need to pray to God the Father. If Jesus prayed to the Father and he was God, incarnate in human flesh, shouldn't we? Jesus accessed heaven while he's here on earth. Father, he starts off. Then the next thing we see that he does is in verse 41 and 42 that he prayed with thanks. He says, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I'm doing this for them. So give him thanks access the Father, thank Him for who He is and all He can do and what He's going to do before you get to your request. Thank Him. Thank Him that He's all-knowing, that He's good. And then finally, next we heard it, that he, he, he prayed with confidence. He said, you always hear me. Your prayer, if you're going to see something happen in the next four days, if you're believing that, if you're believing for it, you need to pray with confidence that He can do it. Philippians 4, 6 says, when we're still praying, Philippians 4, 6 says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Yes. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I'm going to close out our prayer. Father, we come to you. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're the CEO of heaven and everything is at your disposal in the universe. Father, you know all things. You know what's best for me. And you know the things that I need now. So Father, we ask that you confidently would give us what we stand in need of, Lord. And we'll purpose in our heart to give you glory ask these things for what we're believing. We're believing for that stinky thing in our family. That stinky thing. Lord, we're, we're revealing it right now. That stinky thing. The dead thing. The thing that needs to be removed. The thing that needs to be replaced and revived. That thing, God. And we're believing you to do it. In four days, 